Do you know what a twin flame is? Are you curious about how to incorporate the fifth dimension into your sex life? Do you want to know how to attract your perfect match? Do you want to learn more about the great awakening that is happening here on Earth? In today's episode on Root Awakening, a health podcast, we are talking with Chris Story. Chris is the owner and director of Primal Alchemy, which is a health and performance brand that unifies ancient ancestral wisdom with 21st century science. That introduction may sound familiar because this is Root Awakening, a health podcast's first sequel episode. Chris was also on episode nine of Root Awakening, a health podcast, and has come back on the podcast to talk more about the procession of the equinox, also known as the great awakening that's happening here on earth. And Chris came back to tell us about his experience with his twin flame. Twin flames, that concept means one soul, two bodies, two life paths. It is my understanding at this point in time that everybody has a twin flame and when we unite with our twin flame it's a beautiful understanding soul feeding connection because it's like the soul has been pulled apart for so many years and now the soul finally gets to be whole again. So this is someone else here on earth that has your same soul and that part of the soul has just had that person's life path and your part of the soul has had your life path. It's such a cool concept and it's legit. So Chris has reconnected with his twin flame and tells us about his experience in this episode. He talks about the many misconceptions about twin flames and how we can prepare ourselves to meet our own twin flame. And in this episode, Chris and I also talk more about the great awakening that we are having here on earth and some of the challenges that we're facing right now that are kind of being kept behind closed doors at the moment. So it's super important information to know, a super important mindset to have as we go into this time right now. It's very transitional time for us on earth. So we talk more about that towards the end of the episode. So this is a super deep episode and absolutely fucking fascinating. I'm super excited to share this with you. I'm so excited for you to hear it. This is Root Awakening, a health podcast. My name is Emily Kosick. I am the CEO of Root Awakening, and I am a holistic health coach, and I help you combine spirituality and sensuality with self-acceptance. You can follow me on Instagram at emilys.rootawakening. Root is spelled R-O-O-T. If you want to message me personally and say hi, please do that. I love talking with you. And for those of you who don't know, I serve my clients through intuitive body readings. So my intuitive body readings are one-to-one sessions over Zoom, where I use my third eye to read your body and will listen to what the universe or source or God or spirit, whatever you want to call it, wants me to communicate to you about what you need to know in order to rise up to your higher self, in order to make the changes in your life that will make everything in your life click, in order to attract partners that serve you better, in order to strengthen your love connections, in order to strengthen your sexual connections with your partners, in order to strengthen your relationships with your family members. I love channeling about love. I love channeling about dating and my clients love it too. It's such a good connection that I have with this community and I would love for you to become a part of it if you are not already. 
and my guides give me all of the information in my client session. So these readings are 100% channeled and 100% spirit. You can book 30 minute or 60 minute readings with me. Head to the link in my bio on Instagram at emilys.rootawakening to book a reading. Okay, let's get into this episode with Chris Story, founder of Primal Alchemy. Hey, everybody. Today we're recording Root Awakening, a health podcast's first sequel episode with Chris Story. Chris came on the episode a couple of weeks ago. It was episode nine, and I believe this episode is going to be episode 17. And uh, Chris just created this kick-ass episode with me where he talked about his story, how that relates to the hero's journey, how that relates to the procession of the equinox and our society in general and the structures in our society that we often don't that often goes unnoticed. And we just talked a lot of, about a lot of really important topics. And there's just so much that Chris has to share with the world that's so important. So we brought him back in today to talk more about Twin Flames and the procession of the equinox. And I'm really excited to get into it with him. If you haven't listened to episode nine, go listen to it. But for those of you who haven't yet listened to episode nine, Chris is the owner and director of Primal Alchemy, which is a health and performance brand that Nick is in ancient ancestral wisdom with 21st century science and creates a premium lifestyle optimization products for, for everyone to explore. And we also get into on episode nine, the products that Chris has available to the world and how special they are and why they are so different from other supplements. But yeah, Chris is an amazing person. I'm really excited to chat with him today. Chris, thank you so much for honoring us and joining us on another episode here. Yeah, thank you very much, Emily. Thank you again for another kick-ass intro for me, making me, making me sound very epic. So I do <laughs> appreciate that. It's a nice shine on the ego. But uh, yeah, no, I'm happy to come back, and you know, I'm always uh, I'm always excited to share share my thoughts, opinions, some of those higher truths that I've dedicated my life to pursuing with people that are you know they resonate with it if people resonate with it that's that means the world to me this is why i do it for is to be able to share it with people that are enthusiastic and hungry for this information for this knowledge for this wisdom and uh, yeah i've been looking forward to this one for a while since we arranged for me to come back on and yeah me too me too okay so let's kick this off here i have been personally very interested in twin flames these days ever since i heard about what that was twin flame is same soul two bodies two different life experiences and uh, it's basically like you're well i'm gonna let you kind of introduce the the concept of twin flames because you're a lot more familiar than i am with it chris but i've been interested in it i've met my twin flame in the 5d i'm gonna get a little bit more into that in this conversation but chris can you tell us a little bit about about your understanding of twin flames and how that relates to your experience with your twin well 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 so twin flames is yeah quite quite a rabbit hole and you know there's a lot of people that talk about twin flames that you know are kind of unqualified to do so unless you've been in a twin flame relationship which even then you know that can be very subjective because you may be in a soulmate relationship and it may be a powerful soulmate relationship. And if you think it's your twin flame, but it might not be. So it's very rare that we find people, especially within the spiritual community as well, that are actually in twin flame relationships because everyone's so drawn to that. And that's like the gold standard. It's like, if you're on that path, nothing's going to, no, nothing's going to be enough other than a twin flame relationship. 
like anything else just isn't going to get you out of bed in the morning. So I can talk about a personal experience. So like, like I just kind of joked that then uh, a lot of people in the spiritual community, me being one inside of that community, think they're in a twin flame relationship, which I think I, I think I am. I have a few experiences to back that up, which I'll go into, but essentially my understanding of twin flame, what is a twin flame? A twin flame is your, significant other on a soul level that's manifest into the third dimension they don't necessarily have to be third dimensional beings but help otherwise it's going to be a bit of a lonely life for you but you know it's going to be your opposite so it can be it can it, it can be a powerful journey going through the whole the whole process of you know finding your twin flame to then you know, cultivating a relationship with your twin flame, managing the the energies, which I'll go into as well. And then, you know, some the, the actual real the realism of being in a in a twin flame relationship because, you know, we're, we're all we're all we all do this. We all romanticize and we all make everything so epic. And you think that this twin flame relationships going to be like something off a Hollywood film where, you know, you, you ride off into the sunset and you're just then for the rest of your life in this perpetual state of bliss together, constantly in the moment. That's what you'd hope. But you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really work like that. Like, you know, the, the twin, it goes through cycles. It goes through cycles of intense energy and then more reserved energy. So it almost plays out kind of like a normal relationship you still get pissed off with each other. You, you know, you, you can still get on each other's nerves. You can, you, you can still be the only one in the world to be able to trigger each other. But there's just a lot of lessons that that partner brings that your soul needs in order to evolve fully. So with other partners, you might learn X, Y, and Z. You might not learn X, Y, and Z. But with a twin flame, you're at a specific point in your own journey where you're ready for the essentially the the levels that are needed to be taken in order to reach completion. So once you once you're in that twin flame relationship, it's almost like you're. I don't want to kind of overshoot this. You're almost in like the last mile of a marathon. It's like right, you you're normally at a level of self evolution where you're you know you're pretty self aware, pretty self actualized. You've got you know, you got your shit together more so than the the vast majority. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a rundown or a, a breakdown of my personal experience. And then Emily, you can just break in because it's going to be quite a story. And I just want to kind of get, flesh it all out so that the last podcast and this podcast will work together nicely and make sense. So for everybody that's listened to the initial podcast, I'm just going to go over a few brief um, points from it just to lead into this one. And basically the whole, the whole journey started is when I used to work as a personal trainer on cruise ships. So I did this, I did a few years working at sea on, on cruise ships. And to be honest with you, I fucking hated it. So I, 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 basically burn every bridge that I could. I'm very good at that. And there was pretty much an impossibility of me going back. And in the last three months of me being on the ship, I ended up getting myself into, well, getting myself, I ended up getting into a relationship with a coworker of mine and yeah, just fell in love with her. She was amazing. 
And we, after those three months, she still had, you know, like several months left of her contract traveling the world. I was finished. So I was going back home. So it was going to be a long distance relationship. Now I had no, I did not want to go back on cruise ships. I went off to Nepal and then I, you know, the story that I told in the first episode of going to Nepal, having the cliche awakening, coming back home and then deciding to make my business, which I wanted to stick with. So anyway, you're going to fast forward a little bit now to the point where my girlfriend at the time would come home and then she was telling me how she wanted to go back on the cruise ship for us to do it together. I didn't want to go. Obviously, I burnt those bridges and there wasn't much way of me going. So that was quite an emotional stage in my life because it was like knowing that things weren't going to work out, even though you would do anything for them. And, you know, I would do anything. I At the time, I would do anything for her. So I basically threw the company aside and I was just applying to every every cruise position that I can get completely different than what I was doing on my initial job. And I ended up getting a job. I ended up getting a job and we ended up getting essentially the same ship. So I have all the chance in the world. I've managed to get a job again with a company that I've pretty much nuked that bridge into oblivion. So I don't know how it, how that happened. Ended up, you know, being going on, on to next ship within a few within a few weeks of each other. Like this is very rare shit. So I was like, you know, the universe is looking out for me. This is obviously all divine intervention. Let's let's do this then, and I'll come back and I'll do the business afterwards. Anyway, about a week before we're about to embark, that's what you would call it when you get onto the ship. I got an email saying that the ships have been changed. And you could imagine what was going through my mind then and the emotions that was being felt for the two of us, because it was nine months that we were going to be separated for. And, you know, without going into too much detail of what ship life is like, let's just say that, you know, you, you get, you get, you create a double life. You get people that have families at home, families, that wife and kids, and yet on the ship there with multiple other people. So you, it's 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 all every man for themselves on the ship depending on how on how you hold yourself so that was pretty much that like that was the relationship pretty much kind of just you know dead that was the that was the nail in the coffin and then I spent all my money getting things prepared to go back onto the ship so I ended up flying off to the Caribbean to start this new ship which I didn't want to be on which I was only going on because of my previous ex. That was my intention. And I didn't have the money to get home, so I just had to see it through. But this is where this story gets interesting because I have this distinct memory of the first day. The first day I was getting the shuttle bus from the, from the hotel up to the, up to the port to, to get onto the ship. And I just remember being sat there on, on, on the coach, just looking at the windows. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? I was like, it's a fucking stupid idea. I fucked up. Like this, this is this is what you get. And then I could just hear this girl like behind me, and I was just like, "The fuck is this?" And I was just like looking behind me, and I was like, "For fuck's sake!" I was, I was like, "This is this is going to be a long ass contract. I'm probably going to jump off the side, and then you know, saving the world's going to have to that's going to have to happen in the next life because I don't know how I'm going to get through this." So, long story short, that girl that was nattering behind me. You know, we we kind of clicked on the first day we got there. We become very, very, very good friends. Like almost instantaneously, from the second of meeting her, we had this 
unconscious understanding of each other where it was like she 100% got me and I 100% got her. And this is the thing. This is the thing. I mean, I wasn't sexually attracted to her. She, it was, it was I, I, I did not think, like, you know what, you know, I'm breaking up with, I'm breaking up with my ex. Maybe I should just move in now, you know. No, I had no thoughts of that. I had no interest in her sexually, romantically. And we just became really good friends. Like we were on the ship together for about six, six months. Just, you know, I helped her through different relationships she had on the ship. She became kind of like a, a bit of an apprentice to me. She was the only person at the time that, you know, <laughs> listened to what I said, had had the years and the time to give me, yeah, just to listen to what I had to say. Because back then, you know, I didn't have primal alchemy like I've got today. I didn't have any reputation I was just this guy that it was slightly weird that had all these crazy ideas and you know it's pretty well versed on all this shit that no one cared about so she listened to it and she was yeah we basically just became best friends and you know that was within the first year of me of meeting her now you have to fast forward now for about five years so it's about five years of knowing her, me living my life, doing what I'm doing, her living her life the way that she lived her life. And, you know, we were just best friends. And we, as, as you would be with anyone, what, imagine the sort of connection you have with someone, your best friends and your best friends for, you know, like half a decade. And then it was the summer of 2017 at this Wait, point. Wait, before you go 2000- into that part, Chris, were you in contact like, how were you in contact throughout those five years? Did she live near you? So, yeah, so she was English. So she she was English, as was I. English people are rare to find on cruise ships. Generally, it's people from the West Indies or from Eastern Europe or from China or from India. Like English people are rare to find. So when you find them, you normally stick with them or, you know, just because you've got someone that you can relate to. You've got someone that's a little bit more like just you know, we're, we're, all, we're all different from country to country, but English people have a cer- have certain mannerisms, they have a certain cultural sort of humor. So when, when we're together, we gel pretty well. So in that whole time period, it's like, you know, just because she was in England, I'd maybe see her like once, twice a year. But then I we'd, we'd WhatsApp all the time and, you know, just stay connected. And if, as you would do with someone that you can't realistically see every day. But again, it was nothing... It was nothing, the, there was no romantic or like even thoughts of that connection that like I was even beginning to register. And over those five years, I went through everything that I went through creating this business, creating this brand. I was presented with a lot of life lessons to do with my own personal shadows and, you know, things that I struggle with in this life I had to overcome and I had to like evolve and also to the girl that I'm talking about, the woman I'm talking about, she did the same, but it was almost like the polar opposite of me. It would, it sounds, it, I don't want this to sound like pretentious or, but I was dealing with issues that you, that you would expect a, from a, you know, a semi-evolved person. It's not lower level carnal desires like primal shit that I'm dealing with. It's it's stuff that I don't want to say. It, it, it makes me sound like uh, it makes me sound like I'm up myself. But stuff that you would expect to find as you're higher up the spiral of development. Whereas my partner, on the other hand, was lear- was learning all the stuff that I was teaching her, 
and she was just putting it into practice in her own life and she started to develop spiritually very quickly and then this all sort of converged to a point in 2018 where the two of us went to went to Glastonbury Festival together so I don't know if you're familiar with Glastonbury Festival Emily it's like one of it's it's like the original music festival in the UK it's like our version of Coachella without it being super basic and <laughs> there's no fuckboys basic well there is fuckboys basic bitches there as well in fact it's actually Coachella that's literally what it was originally back in the day it was the, it was the original music festival that was for like hippies and free-spirited kind of people like Glastonbury itself is a location in the UK that's it's actually one of the most sacred places on the planet it's supposedly the heart chakra of the world and it's where jesus spent his teenage years again that's a rabbit hole for um another conversation there's some very strong energetic properties to it uh, a lot of mystical traditions stem there you got the holy grail and everything that's that sort of folklore that's kind of based there there's just some real interesting mystical stuff that happens around that area so anyway we went to this festival <laughs> And we, I remember it was like, it was pretty shit to be honest with you. So it was like the, it was like the second night in and we were like, oh, this is pretty bollocks to be fair. But, you know, we've got some mushroom bars. We had these little cacao bars with psilocybin in eight grams per bar. And I was just sat there and, you know, by this stage, Emily, again, <laughs> just to, just to highlight my arrogance with some things. I, I was hosting psilocybin ceremonies in London. So I was doing like little weekend retreats where I was do where I was like um yeah, hosting these these ceremonies. So I was pretty familiar with mushrooms and psilocybin and I'd taken my fair share and I personally I don't really get much from psychedelics. Like I could take them, I could take loads of them and nothing really happens and it's always been like that. So anyway, we're there. And I'm sat there, I've got the chocolate bars, we're in the tent. And I'm just like, fuck, let's do, we'll just do something to make this night good. You know, the music's shit here, people are shit. Let's just do something, let's do something crazy. So I was like, fuck it, I'm going to eat the whole bar. And she was like, you, you sure? You sure, Chris? And I was like, yeah, 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 I'll do five grams. Like a drive around, I'm fine. Eight grams, going to be nothing. So I smashed the bar. And she's like, oh, how much should I take? And I was just like, yeah, just have half of it. And then she had half of it. And then this is the first time she's ever taken mushrooms. So again, a real stupid thing for me to do is to get her to take 4.5 grams of mushroom with the, with the cacao, which has got the theobromine in. So it's going to increase the, you know, the, the absorbability and effectiveness of it and the, the initial hit. <laughs> so we're walking off into the crowds and I'm just yawning. And I'm like, fuck, why am I yawning so early? Like normally these takes like, this normally takes like, you know, an hour to 90 minutes to kick in. It's only been 10 minutes. And I was taking these massive yawns on the way down to the stage. In the back of my head, I was like, oh, it's nothing. It's okay. It's going to be fine. Don't worry. You're good. Just, <laughs> just get down to the stage and, you know, you, 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 it'd be cool. It'd be cool. And then we get there and then the girl I'm with, it's hard to say without saying her name. She, she went off to the toilets and I remember just being stood there and just staring just up into the sky. And I was just like, fuck, this is going this, to, this, this, this is, this is going to be intense. And I don't know. And this is going to be very intense and I'm not in the right situation for this whatsoever. And I remember just standing there for, you know, about 10 minutes, just, just literally just, you started to see the energy just radiate off people. And there's like 250,000 people at Glastonbury Festival. 
And it's just, I just seen it just start to radiate off people. And as you get, when it, you start to get that onset, when you start, when you take psilocybin, when it's, when there's that sort of, that calibration stage of where the plant, the, you know, the, the fungi intelligence is just starting to, you know, work its way through your nervous system. And you're starting to go through the whole stage of starting to process these, you know, these heightened senses. And I was just like, fuck, I need to get out of here quick. And then she returns and I'm just like, real, we, we need to get the fuck out of here. Like, like things are going to get deep. I'm eight grams. I'm going to be eight grams deep. You're going to be four grams deep. And by this stage, she was already starting to panic. So it was boiling in the daytime. So all we had on, I had like a pair of shorts and an open top and she had like a little cat suit on. And then we literally, we went all, we basically hiked like two miles up to the top of the, of this big hill, just to overlook some, uh, everything. And we just sat down and I just remember just the whole world just melting around us. And I was just like, shit, <laughs> like it's starting, it's starting to get dark. It's starting to get pretty cold. You know, it's only the second night. I don't know where the fuck the tent is. And we're just out, you know, out in no man's land and in Glastonbury Festival. And it's, it started to get very intense for her. And she started to like all of a sudden just get, you know, just overwhelmed by the whole experience. And then I was starting to go very deep as well. And I was just like, oh, what, what have I done? And then I just had, I had this voice that basically just took me deep, deep in like the voice actually just dragged me deep into like this black hole of like, this is what you get. You're fucked up. You're arrogant. You think you know everything. And now not only have you fucked yourself up, but you fucked your best friend up who actually is not your best friend. And then I was like, I didn't know what that meant at the time, but this was the voice. And then at the same time, she was going through a similar sort of thing. And we were literally there. If you, it was so pitiful. If you, if you were just walking past, you know, the, 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 actual, the severity of the issue for us, of the, the severity of the actual, of what was happening with the situation was like, we felt like we were going to die. We're like, this is it. And we were on the floor together, just shivering, just holding each other. You can imagine someone just walking past, like, the fuck is wrong with those two? Like, we were proper shaking, thought we were going to die. And then, yeah, I just, I had this whole experience of just, you know, everything flashing before my eyes of everything that I'd done so far to get me to this point. And it was pretty much saying, like, you're going to die. And... Like, are you happy with your life so far? Have you fulfilled everything that you wanted to fulfill? Because this is it. You're gonna you're gonna die. And then and then this kind of transitioned into another part of into another bit of the trip where it's like again, this other voice, this other sort of like non-local intelligence that was communicating to me was like, we've got a quest for you. The quest is that you need to get back to the tent. And you need to save yourself, otherwise you're going to die of hypothermia and, you know, your best friend's going to die as well. And this is where it started to get strange because we almost then kind of joined both of us together into like a, a single mind where we both kind of just operated out of one mind and we can both validate the same experience of the next literally hour and a half. We, we managed to get ourselves, like get myself to my feet and just look out over like the vastness of these fields and it's at night now so all the lights are on and it literally just looked like a strain like a, a video game of like kind of like a virtual reality like epic fantasy kind of 
almost like go, going through like the Shire in, in Lord of the Rings to then going into like, imagine like Super Mario World where all these different, an like people just became animated. There was like li lights were flashing everywhere. I seen this little roadmap come up as I was walking that would that directed me back to the tent of where I needed to go. And then we just went on this crazy adventure where we just literally shared the exact same vision of going through all the different parts in a festival as like each part has its own theme. It has its own sort of story that it's trying to tell. And I just remember just going through and there was like bits of the, of the journey. I don't necessarily know how we got back where it was like, you'd see people and they were like morphing into demons. Like you could see the alcohol spirits. So like, you could tell like people were drinking and you could see the energy of the drink. And then like the, these like shadow beings that were behind them, that was like putting their like hands through the neck, almost through the neck and kind of like you could see the energy being absorbed through people. So it was real crazy. It felt like a real, yeah, well, it, everything, as you do in these psychedelic hiding states, although, although, you know, it's, you're going deep internally, you're also projecting out a lot of, you know, or seeing through a lot of real shit that's happening behind the scenes that normally we just don't have the perceptive awareness to be able to see. And it was just this crazy adventure when, and, and we just, and we got back together and we kind of fell in the tent together. And the mushrooms was telling her, like, he's more than a friend. You need to kiss him. You need to, you need to see what this means, what this leads to. And well, she went in for a kiss. I was pretty unreceptive to it because I was eight grams deep and I'd pretty much gone out of body at this stage. I was um, going off in my own little my own little journey after the the big initial journey and the whole night we kind of just re for the first time kind of like held each other and just felt like real appreciative to be alive really grateful for each other that we managed to get through some adversity that we overcome some adversity together that it doesn't really matter what the actual severity of the situation was in the grand scheme of things in our personal perspective like we thought we were going to die and that felt like that was on the line like if we didn't act together and we didn't overcome adversity then you know you die so we went through this whole mini hero's journey together and got ourselves back to the tent and saved ourselves and then for the next few months you uh, it turns out that she started to develop feelings for me i didn't feel it at all i didn't feel it at all which then led me to the essentially another psilocybin ceremony and this is this is where it's it's interesting so i was hosting it again i was co-hosting it this time actually and normally i would take like two grams just to dial myself in just so i could be there in the space hold it and then just kind of just like overwatch it the way that you know i like to be dialed in and connected to everyone and i did the two grams and you know normally that, would, that wouldn't affect me at all and you know i just got blasted by these two two grams i had to go sit out like I, I wasn't helping anyone i got blasted <laughs> by them and basically what i saw was or what i was experiencing with these two grams is that my whole life was being played out in front of me but at the same time simultaneously my girlfriend or my best friend at the time her life was being played out in front of me and i could see it all and i could see all of our decisions on like a timeline and where these timelines kind of you know, kind of collided. And then we went off on our separate ways and we came back together and collided. And then we went off on our separate ways and collided. And as you start, and as I was like living these over and over, both hers and mine, the perspective was like zooming out and the timelines were like these essentially 
you know, like a cosmic DNA beam of like light where it was both of our timelines converging into some, some DNA of a greater being. And as it was zooming out and zooming out, the perspective was like widening and increasing. So I could just, I could see and feel more. And then I just became one with what I perceived to be my highest self, my highest being. And then saw that my best friend, which then through that, what I call this twin flame awakening, I, I went through the realization it was her all this time. And that we both had our journeys that we needed to go on. She needed to learn what she needed to learn. I needed to learn what I needed to learn. And we kind of helped each other along the way. Although we were disconnected, we were also connected to each other. And when we were ready for it, you know, the, the, it was presented to us. It was presented to me in a way that I would understand it and presented to her in a way that she would understand it, that, you know, we were twin flames and we both had these powerful experiences after that, which like all of these synchronistic events just lining up, which eventually led to us, you know, finally sort of getting together, which then starts the whole twin flame journey off really, because there's, it's not as simple as you just find your twin flame, and you, you know, you, you fall straight in love and then you meet and then you live happily ever after. It's like, you, there's, you go through these different stages. There's like a chaser and there's a runner. You normally got one, one of the duo that will like flee that just playing their part. Essentially, there is no right or wrong. These are just the roles that seem to be fulfilled with, with the two people within this relationship is that one will run from it and one will chase and then those roles will normally be reversed. And what and then at those intersections where the you know the chaser finally sort of like catches the runner, you know, you would you would make this this massive advancement within the relationship. And then it kind of happens again. So it happens about two times, and then there's like three different stages. I forgot what it, what they are now to name them just off the top of my head, but there's like three different stages that you normally go through to complete the twin flame union. And then that's kind of a summary of, of our ex, mine and my twin flames experience together. Is there anything that you want to pull from that? Cause I did go off for, off, for a while, Emily. I loved it. I mean, every single part of it, played so well into the next. And it's so funny, Chris, when you say, here's where it really gets interesting. Every time you say that, like, right when you start talking, I'm really fucking interested. And I'm the whole time I'm like, I'm already there. I'm already with you. It's all super fascinating. I did have a question, though, about like the chasing and running phases, stages of the process. Does this look similar to our typical relationships because in my mind I relate that to how many relationships go especially in like younger beings like teenage years that happens a lot like when we talk about people playing games with each other there's a chaser and there's a runner and then the chaser says fuck this I'm not going to do this anymore and then the runner kind of becomes the chaser did it look different than that kind of like stereotypical relationship game I mean, there's all of these archetypal themes in every relationship and the twin flame relationship isn't necessarily different in regards to the, you could say, the structure of 
you know, the, the situations you find yourself in, but it's more sort of do with the energy involved and the amount that's on the line. It's like, there's a, there's a lot more on it. Although you wouldn't know that because, you know, when you're in your relationship, you, you're in a relationship, if, if that makes sense. But the, the twin flame relationship, there is just a, there is just a lot more at stake because you, you essentially, you've got one shot at it. It's, it's your twin flame and most people in their life, you know, that ready or not, they normally get presented with an opportunity that, you know, might not directly give them their twin flame, but it will put them on the path that if they were to follow it, it would lead them to their twin flame. So for me, I was kind of just, I was, you know, I was put in a situation and she was there straight away, but then it didn't happen straight away. Some people, you know, it might take a series of synchronicities that will lead you to them, be that him or her. But in regards to relating it back to, is it any different than, than any other relationship? I would, I would say, I would say no. I think that can just be human behavior, and just how just how we are, especially depending where we're at with our own, you know, level of self development and you know unconscious behaviors that or emo, emotional emotional baggage. Just uh, there's there's a lot there's there are a lot of things that you know. People, people can just react differently depending on them and the situation at hand. I wouldn't necessarily say because of the twin flame relationship, you're going to act any different. Yeah. And did the chaser runner situation happen after you both were aware that you were each other's twin flames? Yeah. So that's the, that's, that's the thing. Like, even though you've done all the reading on it and you know, it's a twin flame relationship, you still find yourself pl- like, you know, it playing out and unfolding in front of you. It's like, fuck, are we really doing this? It's like, it's very evident the, the roles that we're starting to play here. <laughs> yet you still do it. It just seems that, you know, you can be conscious of it, yet you still, you're still on that roller coaster and there's no getting off. You just know where, you just know the destination and you kind of, you, you know how it's going to go, but you do it nonetheless. Right. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. And it makes it even more difficult. I mean, thinking from my perspective, it makes it even more difficult to find your twin flame or or think that you know who they are because, yeah, you really need that big, that awakening process. And which leads me to the question, Chris, do you think you need psychedelics to find your twin flame? No, not at all. I mean, I think psychedelics were a catalyst that, you know, I took at the right time and the right place in my life where I was then given that experience, but that could have happened, you know, a few years down the line, it could have happened a completely different other way. I think what, what's meant to happen will happen, but I just, the, the thing that I kind of want to pull back on and just kind of like make it applicable for everyone that's listening is that I wasn't looking for twin flame. I wasn't looking for a relationship. I wasn't like going out there and asking please universe, give me my twin flame. All I was doing was trying to follow the path that I believed I should walk, which was, you know, I was doing my primal alchemy thing. And that's, uh, I was doing everything I could for that to fulfill what I believe my purpose and destiny is. And along the way, I then find myself, you know, in those situations where, where I was able to experience that. But I think that's important is that a lot of people really want that twin flame experience. They go looking for it because they're looking for it. They're willing to see it in every situation. 
And if you're willing to see it in every situation, then, you know, you're, you're kind of going in blind. You don't really, you don't really know. I feel like my personal opinion is, is that when you are ready, you will, like I said, be presented with a situation which only you in the, only you at the level needed to take such an opportunity would would be the person that's ready for the twin flame connection. So it's important that everyone, you know, don't don't get caught up with just looking for your significant other. You should always just be focusing on bettering yourself. And then in hopes of in while you're bettering yourself, you gotta see it as like the uh, your other half is doing their shit. They're getting their shit together. And when both of you are ready, you will begin to magnetize together at some at some point within space-time you will collide your your universe and her universe or his universe will collide and that's that's only going to be when you're ready for it like you're not going to be presented if you're not ready so don't get too caught up with the you know with the destination in mind as i i want to inflame relationship it will come when you're ready yeah the way that i've heard it described to me is that which goes along with what you've already said is that you have to be in your higher self in order to find and or confirm your your twin flame. Like you have to be in your higher self. So if you don't feel like you're in your higher self right now, that's not going to be a reality for you until you until you get closer to that to that version of you. Would you agree, Chris? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Again, each to their own. Like some people may may have got it where they just found their twin flame from the get go. They might have just you know, they, it might have been the first relationship they ever had. And then that person turned out to be their twin flame. I mean, there, there's nothing stopping that either. It's just my personal opinion that your twin flame will come while, when you're at a, you, you know, a high level of self-development. And then, you you know, you don't really have to then, let's say, um, you've only got a few, a few more things to learn, a few more lessons. That the, and that's what the other person is going to give you. And then you complete you complete that sort of incarnation cycle together. Yeah. 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 That's cool. It's been really difficult for me to, <laughs> I'm in the the stage right now. Like as soon as I heard about what a twin flame was, I was like, give me that. I want that. I was just telling Chris before we started recording, Chris knows a little bit about my story with just the concept of twin flames in general. And I, I, the first thing I heard about twin flames was that the sex is unreal. And we're talking 5d sex and 3d sex combined as the minute I heard that I was like, let's do this, let's go for it. And it's been difficult for me to separate myself from wanting that and finding that. And even though at this point, I know that it's not me finding, it's it being presented to me. I still say the word find because my mindset is still kind of in that realm of let's make this happen. And it's not even really about me finding my person. And I just, I recently got out of a relationship. So I've been really enjoying working on myself, but to have these really wild 5d experiences is what I want. And um, so separating myself from that, that vibe of trying to bring it to me, just these crazy experiences and letting it happen is difficult. So for the people that are listening that are like, fuck, all right, here we go. I just got to, I have to do the stuff that sounds boring right now in order to get me to where I want to be. I totally understand that viewpoint. And it's, it's ended up being like, so not boring to do the introspection that I've been doing and to work towards that. But 
Yeah, I, I love how you describe it, Chris. And on that note, I would like to talk about the sex. How, how, what were the differences that you found in your twin flame relationship versus other relationships? Like, did you, I have heard some people that, that are aware of their twin flames. They, they noticed that it was a twin flame. Okay, let me rephrase this. The, they were, the people that I know that know their twin flames saw someone in the 5D and then they found out that they were their twin flames partially because they were having orgasms just like out of nowhere throughout the day. And those were being paired with visualizations of that twin flame, of that person. And then everything kind of connected. Did you have any experiences like that? So when I was kind of going through my own sort of runner stage, I was, when I was starting to, to develop feelings for her, you know, I, I didn't want it to be her. Like she was my best friend. It was like, we were best friends for five years. And, you know, I, I had my ideal sort of like perfect partner in my head of who I wanted. I had all these plans of who it was going to be and when it was going to happen. And then as I started to develop feelings, I was just like, why? I was like, I don't, I don't want this. This, is, this isn't what I wanted, but I can't, you know, really stop the feelings. And as, as I was going through that stage, I'd have times where it'd be, you know, I'd have like these outer body experiences where I'd just be laying there in the night and you just have these out of body experiences where you essentially have, yeah, like this 5d sex. And then, you know, you don't, you kind of really kind of lucid, but at the same time, just, you don't really know what's going on. And then you wake up and you got fucking come all over yourself. And I was just like, fuck, what fucking happened? Just there. It's just like, and I was just like, Oh, it's happened on multiple occasions of just, you know, feeling, like a distinct energy is is surrounding you i'd be laying mm -hmm. there and i'd just be feeling this energy and i knew it was hers mm -hmm. like it, you become very familiar with it and you could you could almost feel this in it like when i say feel it i mean like if you were to put your arms around you almost had like a slight like a pushback almost as if like there is something tangible there and you could feel it and then you're there and you're kind of like humping the floor and you're just <laughs> fucking in your, own little, in your own little world and then next thing you yeah. know you cut you, there it is again another orgasm just blasted yourself off into another realm and all of this led up to the first time that we had sex and this was for me like a big this was a big crossroads in my life because I was presented with the situation it's like right if we have sex I was like there's no going back there's no turning back I can't go back to being best friends there's no turning back to anything like if I if I go ahead with this then you know like th that's it you're closing the door or at least in my mind that's that's how I felt you're closing the door on single life because if it's your twin flame you're with it for the rest of your life like if, this is it so yeah, the first time we had sex was extremely, extremely powerful. It was extreme, intense eye contact, which kind of really pulled the soul out of the body. And it was all just, you, you know, just, you can only define it as just like mystical intensity, where it just, it was just really intense like emotionally physically it was just really passionate and then in in each other's eyes like we just we were just locked it was like it was like locked in and there was just like there was no like moving eyes around it was completely almost like you're hypnotized by each other 
and it was just yeah it was just a it was just a powerful powerful first experience that was probably you know the most intense sex i've ever had that that one time like times after it are different like they're still powerful but that one time that like twin flame connection you could say like at the moment of orgasm I mean, that's probably one of the most intense experiences I've ever had without it being scary or without it, like in regards to it being a loving experience. That's probably the most intense experience of my life. And it was very powerful. As for sex after that, I mean, it's the same of everything. Like you need to cultivate a, a good, healthy sexual relationship because my personal opinion is that you know the, the the twin flame it's like although it's there it, it can dwindle it's like you still need to work on it you still need to practice good relationship skills and relationship practices so i think that's important as well is not to fall into the illusionary mindset that if you get into one of these relationships you're just gonna have hot sex for the rest of your life and it just i don't i, I personally just don't think it works like that i think it's something that again you need to cultivate and you need to practice and you need to you need to give time to otherwise as with anything it can dwindle that's again my personal opinion on that emily mm -hmm. yeah it makes so much sense because we're still we're still in the 3d as well like we're still human beings we're not fully ascending ascending into the 5d so because of that that's where the human connection comes in that's where like the runner and the chaser how that also ties into regular relationships as well there are a lot of like connections and similarities i love hearing about that i love it and i so i have experienced when you're talking about like this energy that's around you that's something that i just started experiencing i didn't think i would be near meeting my twin flame i really wanted it but i was like no i have so much healing so much healing still to do and then i had this meditation that i told you about chris and i also told my audience about where i was meditating and it's called a it's a liquid gold meditation by my spiritual coach casey Barron. and you envision your crown your your head just flipping open and a white light comes out of your head and then liquid gold comes down through your body and she takes you through. It's kind of like a man. It is a manifestation meditation. So I visualize my, my head being open and there was white light coming out, but instead of gold, this naked man <laughs> came into my body and I saw it so clearly wasn't expecting it. Didn't, I was like, I was open to it. And I think that's why it happened, but I wasn't like, cool, this is happening. I was like, what the fuck is, is going on? This naked man entered my body. And then immediately I felt like I was being brought to orgasm like crazy my mouth was open and my hands were really clenched and then I was like what's happening and then it kind of stopped and so that happened and I I told my spiritual coach about it she's like yeah that's that's your twin flame but they probably don't know that you are their twin flame and you don't know who they are in person and you're not going to meet them until like it, it happens to you like it, it like you say Chris and then it happened again, like the next, the, the next day, the same fucking thing happened. And I was like, okay, is this going to happen every time? And then it stopped happening. And it's funny, Chris, last night I was in the bath. I haven't even told my audience about this yet. And I was feeling really good. I did a whole, a whole new moon thing. And I, I did some meditation and I was feeling a lot of really good feminine energy. And I had my, I had my earphones in, I was listening to Beats Antique, which is a nice, they kind of like a, 
yeah, just like really like in the zone music without words. And I was like moving my hips to the music, just like fucking around. And the, the water was like swishing like this over me. And then I really, I felt that presence again. And then like the presence of somebody else being there who's not there. And it's, it's like, it's like a presence that I really know. I really know this presence. Like I know this presence, but I don't know whom it belongs to. I don't know the human that's attached to this presence. And then my, my hands started getting numb, which happens when like I, my body wants to orgasm, but my brain is too nervous. It's, it's something that happens physiologically with me. And it's happened with partners in the past, but it's never happened when I'm just like in the bath. So what my coach is telling me is that I, once, once I get to the level where I know where, who they are or where they are, or like once I get to the level where they're more presented to me and I'm further in my higher self, I will climax, but I haven't climaxed yet. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's where I am, which is interesting because I hear your experiences and you were actually climaxing because you knew who the person was. What do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, again, the, the situation can be very different for different people and where they're at because depending where their level of awareness is how they're going to perceive an experience like you could get two people experience the same thing yet they may in their own internal verse experience a completely different situation so i i, I do I, I agree you just like you really just need to just focus on yourself, focus on getting your shit together, focus on aligning with your, you know, your path, your divine path, because that is the path to wholeness. That is the path of healing and your twin flame will be on that. And if, if they're not just the simple act of you getting on it and doing the work will magnetize them to it because naturally as you're healing they are subconsciously healing as well because you share the same oversoul. So I think that's massively important. Uh, another thing that I wanted to um, say, because I didn't say it earlier, um, about the psychedelics. So do you need them? No, I don't think you need psychedelics, but psychedelics give you, if you can use them correctly, they give you an opportunity to explore energy energetic connections that you have in different realms with different beings and that may be able to give you a better idea on you know a twin flame connection so my twin flame my girlfriend we did lsd together and i took it and nothing happened to me i was literally just designated the sitter for for that experience And she took on her experience, she basically, she went out of body and she went through, I think about four different past lives of where me and her were together. Mm. And she, she experienced us, me and her as a, as a native American couple, supposedly I was a chief and she was my wife. And then she saw us in ancient Egypt together And then she saw us on some far distant alien planet where we were flying through the sky together. That was our oldest incarnation where we were essentially just white orbs of light flying over some alien world, but it had, she called it like rainbow colored fractal pyramids everywhere. And that was what she started to do then was channel 
I should have told the story. Actually, it's it's kind of a big one in the whole <laughs> in the whole gym. I'm like, what? She, um, she she started to channel the it into English words from whoever she was in the first life, and she was talking to me as if like she was just like, I've waited so long to see you again. It felt it, it's felt like an eternity. I'm so happy that I found you. I'm so happy that you know, that we've come together in this life. If we've been so many lives apart and now we've come together for this life again. And then she was just telling, like, imagine, imagine what you would be like if you just say you find your twin flame this life. And then, you know, you, you spend five more lives with your twin flame again, but, you know, hundreds of thousands of years apart. And then you have an experience where you remember all of that and go back to you now who is the originator of that twin flame connection. And you're talking to them, you know, maybe a hundred thousand years in the future. So you're talking to the same soul, but you know, that with that time kind of breaking that time barrier. And yeah, that was a very surreal experience. Cause you know, I was obviously I'd taken LSD, so I wasn't completely sober, but you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't experiencing any, any, you know, crazy effects. So just to see her like that channel in this voice and, you know, you could still see in her eyes that it was her, but at the same time, it was someone distinctly different, although the same. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that was, a, that was a wild twin flame experience as well, where she saw like, yeah, these past lives. So again, I don't think you need psychedelics, but if you are to take psychedelics with your twin flame, then I think you would have you know, a very eye-opening, heart-opening experience if the two of you are ready for it. And it may, it may be something as simple as igniting the flame. It may be something like fueling the flame. It may be something like just nuking the flame altogether and then you go full-blown, have like a crazy visionary experience like I did and like my girlfriend did where you, you know, you actually live through a very powerful personal experience of, you know, seeing that greater being in its entirety and how the two of you make it up. Mm-hmm. Totally. Oh my God. You're selling it to me right now. I'm like, that makes a lot of sense, but yeah, it, I love how you say it, that it, it depends on where you're at and it has to feel right for you and your soul. And you have to be there at that point. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was, I was just, I was just not, I was just nodding with you, Emily. It's important. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I like I like that distinction a lot. So I'd like to transition this into the procession of the equinox, because that's something that our listeners are really into. But before we do that, is there any other point that you want? I mean, we can also tie in other points about the twin flames later on. But is there anything else, Chris, that you wanted to say before we kind of we transition into the procession? I mean, the main the main thing would be just what I touched based on, which is don't get too caught up in in learning about the twin flames, it will, it will happen when you're ready for it. And then you can learn about it then. Otherwise, if you become transfixed on it, then you, 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 you're defeating the whole point of the spiritual path anyway, which is to, you got to be comfortable by yourself. You've got to be able to do things by yourself. You've got to work on yourself for yourself, not for nobody else. And then when the time's right, you'll be presented with the, with the, you know, the experience to initiate that next step within your evolution and then a joint evolution. So that would be my only advice, my personal words of advice on that, Emily. Mm-hmm. 
you got to work on yourself for yourself and not anybody else. That's a good one. That's good place to leave that leave that part of the episode. Cool. Okay, so let's get into let's get into the procession of the equinox. So Chris and I I mean, Chris told us, like, he kind of introduced the concept of the procession of the equinox in the last episode that we did together, episode nine. But yeah, Chris, if you want to give, like, do you want to give, like, a couple sentence just introduction again to that? And then we can, we can kind of move through this concept. Yeah, I will. I'll recite what I said before, just because if anyone's coming into this about hearing, hearing the first episode, then it's kind of the best way to explain it, which is... The universe itself is binary. So, you know, it's like, you know, it's in, essentially in half in duality. And the, the, the human body, when we move through space time, we have an on and off switch, essentially. That is the binary system of the human body, the sleep-wake cycle, which is a 24-hour clock. So 12 hours of the day, you're going to be wakeful state. 12 hours of the day, you're going to be you know, might be a little bit different individually, but generally speaking, 12 hours a day, you're going to be in a sleep state. So this is where the whole concept of as above, so below comes from. So it's like all of these patterns that we see on a micro uh, cosmic level, you know, they have their, they have their mirror within the macrocosmic universe. So what we see on a human level, we can scale up to Uh, a planetary level so the planetary level of a sleep wake cycle is going to be the the 12 month year so it's going to be six months of the year you're going to be in in a wakeful state which is spring and summer and in 12 months of the year you're going to be in a in a you know a sleep state with autumn winter and then what we do then is scale that up to a a sort of a galactic level but what this what this controls generally is the level of consciousness within the the planetary arena. So within the solar system, on the planets themselves, the planets as a whole, as a whole organism, what is the consciousness of the planet? And this is something that's recorded as what they call the processional ages or the procession of the equinox. And the way that this is measured is that the earth is kind of on a wobble, a slight wobble of its axis and it creates a, a wobble effect that takes roughly, it's about 25,920 years in order to go do a full 360 degrees. And what this is, how this is seen from our perspective on ground level is that if you were to look east on, at the rising sun on the spring equinox or the solstices or the equinoxes, you would see that the sun would rise in a specific house, a zodiac house. So for the past 21 or 2,160 years, it's been rising in the age of Pisces. So these zodiac houses, the 12 zodiacs are kind of like, think of them as like the, the gods that rule that time period almost. And what we've been experiencing according to this way of thinking if you were to study this is that we've been experiencing essentially the the great sleep stage of that cosmic cycle so as the earth rotates and it, and you start to get these different zodiac signs that rise on the horizon with it 
within or throughout time, different constellations that we are aligned with are more in alignment with the photon belt from the galactic center. So the photon belt is obviously going to be light. And what is light? Light is essentially information. And what what is happening to us now is that we're aligning more and more to that galactic center. So we're being bombarded with photons and it's the photon or the photonic belt, the interaction with that, that, you know, levels up the consciousness on the planet. So we've gone through this 12,000 years of sleep and now we're entering a cosmic spring. So what does spring represent? It represents, you know, like rebirth, it, it, it represents, you know, light out of darkness. What we're going to start to see now, all levels of existence, be that on the macroscopic and then on the microscopic, is just a heightened level of consciousness and a heightened level of awareness for the connection with everything. So where would you like me to go with that? That's a, that's a very kind of like brief explanation on the i guess like the on the processional ages yeah and in our last episode together we kind of talked about how we're being we're we are are, we are awakening to ideas that relate to our empowerment or i guess maybe that's 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 my view but we kind of talked on we we talked on these topics in our last episode. So Chris, something that you said in the last episode that really struck me was it used to be very clear who the slaves were in society. Like if you go back far enough, it was very in your face who the slaves were in society. And over time, the the kind of forces on top of our society have created more of a disconnect to that. So now they're finding very sneaky ways to keep us small. And we kind of went over that side of it. But I guess I would love to talk about like, yeah, maybe a little bit beyond that to what you think is going to be happening in the future, because actually we didn't really get to, we didn't really get to that. We just kind of got to, you know, where we are at now. And you, I, I, I got the feeling in our last episode that you wanted to talk a little bit more about maybe what could be coming do you want to chat about that? Like what moving through spring could bring us? So I feel like it's going to be the same again. That's why when you look into systems theory and then you start to look for these patterns throughout these different scales of perspective and you start to see these familiar themes that are persistent throughout throughout this scale, I think it's going to be, you know, a very similar experience of what a personal awakening is, but on a global level. So this, the same, the same themes, the same, the, the same experiences as such, but it's just going to be on a global level. And I mean, I'll be honest with you, Emily, it's, it's, it's going to be a hard time. It's going to be a hard time because when you look at the planet now, you know, the, the the popular phrase is like the 99% versus the 1% or it's like the 1% versus the 99%. That's the same. It's not really like that. What What's really the case is that there's the 1%, the 1% and 98%. You've got the 1%, which are like the dark magicians. They're the people that, you know, they know about our connection to source. They know about our divine heritage. They know about our 
who we really are and what we're really about. And that's the 1% of the, of like the elite that really know what's up. And then you've got another 1%, which are going to be like the white magicians. So these are the, they know the same, but they're using this knowledge in order for, you know, to bet to better, you know, the collective. And then you've got the 98%, which are essentially the general mass population of the planet, which are asleep. They're in a sleep state. At the moment, you've got the the one percent. You've got the white magicians versus the dark magicians. Again, it sounds very epic and it sounds very fantasy, very Hollywood. But you know, they they Hollywood and reality mirror each other a lot more than people would like to admit. And this really is the case. There is a war going on between the light and the dark. It's the age old war of you know the dark forces against the light forces. But it's kind of reaching its head now in that. The dark side kind of ran out of time. Like for the past 12,000 years, it's been the sleep state of the consciousness of the planet. Whereas, you know, we're at spring now. So things are going to happen whether they like it or not. So what they're trying to do is to implement their plan, implement their, their new system on a global level so that they can, they can't stop it but they can slow it down as, as much as they can to keep control for as long as they can, where eventually, you know, if they have it their way, then we're just going to go down this transhumanism hole and we're ju- they're going to try and upload everyone's consciousness onto a, you know, a central AI. And it's going to, that, that would essentially be the, the worst timeline that we could find ourselves on. But I just don't think it's going to get to that. I think, you know, we're in for a bumpy decade I, th- I think I think there's going to be, you know, an economic reset, either implemented and initiated by the good guys or the bad guys. You, you, you hear about Nasera and Gisera, which are these quantum financial systems. If they actually exist, I do not know. That is supposedly what's in place for the people behind the scenes who know what's up. That's on the good side. Supposedly that, supposedly that is in place and is going to be initiated soon. But then you've got the the other global reset from the black hats, the bad guys, and, you know, the World Economic Forum or the guys like Klaus Schmidt and, or Klaus Schwab, sorry, and Bill Gates and his cronies. You know, you've got all of these people that are trying to push forward with this new reset, the great reset. And it's really just two warring fractions at the moment, just, you know, a big chess game that's being played on a global level. And we're, you know, the 98% are just, unfortunately, collateral damage and they're just seeing what what where the momentum's going and at the moment you know it's it's looking pretty bad over the whole without getting into all of the QAnon stuff because then that's a different rabbit hole and there's a lot of there's a lot of half truths and a lot of misinformation disinformation and deception within that sphere but everything that was leading up to this you know the whole holy Trump's second term and everything that happened with the Democrats stealing the election. And it kind of took the wind out of the sails a little bit for what was expected to happen. Because what we really need is America to clean its shit up. Because, you know, although there is a misconception about America, the same, like you guys think you're the center of the world, you kind of are. Like everything runs for you guys and whatever is happening in America generally is a blueprint for what's going to happen, what, you know, how the the majority of the world's going to to live as well. 
And, you know, at the moment, you, if you just if you look at America and look at the way that the Democrats are wanting to take it, the people that are running the Democrats or the interest groups that are behind the scenes with it, you know, the Chinese Communist Party, just just everything. You can see that we're not the plans that are being played out and unfolded in front of us are not plans that are being directed by good people. And it, I mean, it's very simple. You've got like 50 like 30 plus million people here in the UK have already taken the vaccine. 10% of them have already had the second dose of it. So there's this mass culling of the planet at the moment. The same with the US. I don't know what the figures are in the US, but there is a mass culling that's underway to depopulate the planet. And people just can't see it. They don't want to see it because if they did see it, they would see the severity of it of the situation and what it requires from us to mature and grow up, you know, figuratively and literally as a species. It takes a lot of work. You know what it's like to do work, self-development work. You have to go, you have to work through a lot and you, it takes time to work through your shadows and come at ease with and let go of past grief and regret and, you know, just to let go of all of that shit, it takes a long time, but we're being forced as a human race to kind of undergo experience and transcend that very quickly. And most people aren't ready for it. And it's causing a lot of cognitive dissonance. It's causing a lot of divide. It's now more so apparent than ever who, who's awakened and who's not. And that doesn't have to be like a woo-woo term. It's like awakened, you're just aware of what's going on. And there's a lot of people that, you know, they're not aware they've had the whole year this isn't a, this isn't a rant to take the piss out of them or to blame them but it's just facts of facts they've had a, they've had their whole life for a start but in particular they've got they've had the past year where the whole world's been locked down for the first time ever the whole planet was locked down where no one was allowed to do anything and that was the perfect time for people just to you know stamp on the brakes and then be like, right, what's going on here? Like, I've got some time where I can actually think, you know, who am I? What, what the fuck is the meaning of all of this? We've been gifted with the perfect, you know, time to just think and reconcile and just contemplate about things. And a lot of people have, but a lot of people haven't. And now it's very clear that you can see, you can just walk down the street and very evidently, you're going to see people that you know straight away are just in the matrix, dialed in. You know, they're not even close to cut. They're not even close to being even curious. And then you've got other people where you can be like, huh, you know, I could, you're probably on the edge. And then you've got other people that are all in. And I feel like it's our job as people that are, you know, that have been on this path, that are developing ourselves to be a beacon to be to be light to guide the people that are on the fence the people that aren't on the fence this is sad to say they're 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 as good as the enemy like honestly there's no they, they ain't nothing nothing's gonna happen that's gonna be able to turn those people they've had all the evidences in their face and you know that they're, they're still completely glue, clueless and brain dead so as far as I'm concerned, they're the enemy. You've got X amount of us that are awakened, X amount of us that are on the fence. And it's our job to be able to be the guides to bring those people on the fence over because it's going to be too much energy to try and to try and get the people that are completely, you know, 
just brain fried. Just it, 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 again, I don't want to get into a rant on this because it, it's something that really pisses me off. And I can get pretty, uh, I could go from naught to a hundred very quickly on this, and I'll probably be offending some people with it. Mm-hmm. But I just can't, I just can't wrap my head around it. How any supposed full-grown adult being can't just take you know a a few minutes of their day just to research some of the subjects that you know that it's not like it's not important it's like it's it's the most important time of in human history it's like why do you not know what's going on why do you not know what the other side is saying like they only know the mainstream narrative why have they not done the research just to see what other people are saying instead of taking that at face value as it's gospel and truth and it just shows a low level of awareness it shows a low level of awareness and it at first when it you know i've always watched as an observer and outsider for the majority of my life of just where people were at and I was always expecting a global event to happen. I thought it was going to be a little bit more catastrophic, to be honest with you. I thought it was going to be like a cataclysm. I thought it was going to be something, or something like a natural disaster that would would set would set it off. And I was always wondering how people would respond. I was always wondering that you know, if shit hit the fan. What what would people really be like? And this whole past year has just shown people to be kind of what you know, I, I suspected, but didn't really want to believe. I thought more of us, but you know, there's just, there just really isn't that many people at the moment that are on the, on the level of awareness to be able to come together to make a difference. You know, you can have X amount of people, like you get into uh, Richard Dawkins work with the map of consciousness and you work your way up the scale and you, you know, different levels of awareness, different levels of consciousness, you know, it's like the people at the, the higher end of that can hold the negative energy, the negative consciousness of, you know, a few hundred thousands or a million or so. But it's just not enough of them, of people at that level to be able to hold that. So there is an imbalance. There is an imbalance within, you know, the collective consciousness of just complete and utter illusion and darkness, everyone's going through a very dark time at the moment and for people that are dialed in you know you could be close to being an ascended master if you're dialed into that collective you're going to feel the weight of it it's very heavy it's a heavy weight that people that people that are dialed into it consciously can feel unconsciously people are experiencing that as darkness and just fear and guilt and just well, what just the current situation where people are at at the moment, which is it's sad to see. And, you know, the only way out of this is a complete hero's journey for the human race. So just like I was saying before about a hero's journey for us on a personal level to evolve, we're being presented with the with the opportunity for us to complete that as a, you know, as a, as a, as a species. And I just don't think we're ready for it at the moment it's sad it's it's sad i think we're gonna get there don't get me wrong like we're destined to to awaken but i just don't know i don't know how it's gonna happen like there's so many theories that i've read into but at the end of the day no one knows what's gonna happen you know i've been down the prophecy rabbit hole if anyone's interested in this you can look up someone called sylvia ivanova who's a russian researcher and prophet and she kind of uh, brings together all these different prophecies throughout the ages of the end times. 
And she does her own prophecies and she's created something called the New Earth Time Map, which is a decade time map from now until the formation of what she calls the New Earth and everything that we have to go through. And I mean, if she's even 10% right, then we're in for a fucking horrible time. A pretty horrible time when the Earth kind of shakes itself off and we find our feet again. It sounds like it's going to be horrible. And will anything come at that? I don't know. But I would say the next 10 years, there's going to be big changes, big paradigm shifts. And we will we will come out of this on top. I just don't know how much collateral damage is going to be done in the meantime, personally, Emily. Yeah, exactly. So like to zoom out for a second and like catch our touch base with our listeners. So when we're talking about the procession of the equinox, we're talking about, or Chris, would you say we're talking about kind of this great awakening in society? Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's just those processional ages. It's just the, you know, the expression of light and dark of, you know, of duality mm-hmm. and for the past 12,000 years. So you can, you can link this back. So we've just entered now the age of Aquarius. So the age of Aquarius the water, the, the water bringer, the, it's all about the age of information that, that supposedly started on 2012. But again, you know, our calendars have been fucked with that much. We, we may be on that. We may be 2020, maybe the real 2012. I'm not too sure the Gregorian calendar really messed things up a little bit, but essentially we should, we are, we have entered, I believe the, age of Aquarius the age before that was the age of Pisces Pisces is all to do with duality that's when you start that's when you pretty much saw the development of Catholicism of like the Roman Catholic Church the big monotheistic religions really started to take over in that time period and then you know you can trace it back again you go into the age of Aries you go into the age of um, Taurus and then you've all these different ages, you can see different civilizations rise and fall. But generally for the past 12,000 years, you know, we've been in darkness. So all of these civilizations, the ones closest to the the 12,000 year peak 12,000 years ago would obviously been more enlightened because it would have just been the beginning of the, of the dark stage of consciousness on the planet. And that was when you can link that back to Essentially, you start, you move in then to the, uh, the Pleistocene where you start getting into pre-Ice Age or what they call pre-Antediluvian times, which is going to be uh, Atlantis and some of these other. Atlantis is, the, is like the advanced civilization that we, that we most commonly refer to. But there is, you know, there, there was, it was a global civilization of just advanced beings and they were living in that golden age. They were living in the summer. And then we just go through cycles of cycles of cataclysm, cycles of cosmic cataclysm that essentially just puts us into a sleepful state and a wakeful state. And the whole point is, is to get awakened to the point so that when we reach that point in time, we can keep ourselves in that in that awakened state and then kind of break free from that cycle, which allows us to move up to that next evolutionary stage, which, you know, Puts it puts us puts us on a level with beings that you know have been trying to assist us. They've been trying to assist. They've been trying to assist us for thousands of years, 
but they can't directly help us the way that we want them to. They have to, they have to help us or they have to assist us by, you know, drip feeding us bits and pieces here and there, sending down some of their own to incarnate on the earth plane, to be able to spread knowledge, to spread spiritual wisdom. And, you know, they, some of these beings have become some of our most notable figures throughout history. And these, these figures, they pop up throughout time. They pop up in different epochs, different stages of the human experience here on the planet. And it just, it, it, it leads us today. It leads us today where we're at that pivotal point in, on this cycle, on this, on this great clock, as Plato called it, where it's like, right, we know that we're starting to align with the light. Natural law is bringing us bringing us into alignment with natural light so why on a you know a micro cosmic scale within me and what can i do with my life if i align with the light if i align with the best version of myself then i you know you're you're accelerating that that cosmic macrocosmic evolution through microcosmic acts and the more you do that the quicker you're going to just speed up the process you create that ripple effect and you we can bring this on a lot quicker than if we just let it unfold naturally. If we let it unfold naturally, it's all going to play out the way that it needs to. But we already know where we're going. So we can, you know, th- this is what free choice is about and will, willpower. We can will this into existence at a much quicker rate if we do this together. But is that going to happen? Emily, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when we're talking about when we're talking about like we're at the spring of consciousness, essentially, like when we're talking about the great awakening, like what are examples that we're being awakened right now? What does that mean that we're being awakened right now? Well, Chris and I are having this conversation. That's a sign that we're being awakened. Chris and I are interested in these topics and we're having this conversation about enlightenment and bigger things than just day-to-day typical societal tasks. We're talking about bigger things. We're talking about bigger forces, spiritual forces. And also it's a sign that we're being awakened in society because our listeners here are super down with these topics. They're interested in these topics. What's the procession of the equinox? What's this great awakening? What is this? That is a sign that our society is becoming awakened. The fact that people know what meditation is, the fact that people are starting to understand that there are holistic ways of dealing with medicine that's being fucked with right now, obviously, but we, we understand that there are a lot of people, people, more and more people are starting to understand that there are holistic ways of dealing with their health. That's a sign of awakening. So all of this is a sign that we are waking up and that is coming with our exposure to more protons and to more light that's bringing on this awakening. And then Chris, when you're talking about the great reset, that the, the other 1%, the dark side, the, the dark 1% is, is, making efforts to bring upon earth. When you talk about the great reset, are you talking about resetting our consciousness to like set us back to winter kind of? Kind of. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's a great reset on every layer on every level and layer of existence. So it's going to be a, it's just going to be a whole new system, but it's going to be like a technocratic dictatorship and a hierarchy that's, control um, control pyramid kind of like what's in place now but uh they do away with all the bureaucrats and nations i think it'd be like a one world government again it's you know all the all these conspiracies 
you know, the, the, the sad fact is that when you actually research them, and it doesn't take long to do this, when you research them, the, the vast majority of them have so much truth and validity. And this is what they want. I mean, they don't even try to hide it. You look up like Agenda 2030 and some of these other big sort of future plans that these elite groups have for the planet. You can see they want they 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 want a cashless, open border, one world system. Everything is just going to be online. Every like they like China have with a social credit system. Everything will be linked via like a worldwide social credit system. Everything will be centralized, centralized power in every in every domain and aspect of life, and every every everything will be held like the infrastructure to actually be able to hold such a vast amount of data is the 5g grid to be able to to be able to hold that and have that available you know instantaneously like they're already building everything for this they're building all the infrastructure they're getting everything into place they're lining up the the economy to break again so that they can come in with their replacement that they've that they're you know it's already been created and they're ready to just install it's it's very clear how how they want to play it again they always guise it they always disguise it in philanthropic sort of donations and philanthropic ventures they guise it in sustainable they they're very well at hiding it in regards to making it look like what they're doing is caring for the planet but if you dig a little bit deeper from, you know, surface level information that's just openly sort of given on these, on these topics, you go a bit deeper and you can see, you can see where the core at which all of these, what on the surface level seem unconnected, but when you pull them all together, you see it's the same, it's the same faces, it's the same names, it's the same bloodlines that have been, you know, controlling and orchestrating shit for thousands of years. And it goes all the way back to Atlantean times, like these families and bloodlines that were responsible, not responsible, but played their part within the, you could call the the fall of man 12,000 years ago. It's these same bloodlines that you see ruling shit now. And it's, that's coming to light. Like people are becoming more aware of that. And that, that is us moving into the light, moving into truth. We're starting to illuminate a lot of this dark history of ours that's been suppressed and repressed very strategically and systematically to stop us from knowing this. And otherwise, it's, again, I've said it before. I think, I don't know if I said it on this show. You see it quite a lot. It's a good reference because, you know, it, it, it really summarizes where we're at. On the bugs' life, it's when the it's when the um, the grasshoppers, they're they're all um, together and they're and the lead grasshopper tells them he's like, look, they outnumber us, you know, like a million to one. It's like the the time when they figure this out is the end of our way of living, so they cannot figure this out. And that's literally the same system that we have here. Like we outnumbered these people like millions to one, but we just, we just had this system pulled over us where it just seems that no, no one is willing to step out of line in order to call the system out and in order to do work against it. And I just don't know how we go from here 
to you know the the utopian future that we we all have with we all have the gifts within us to be able to create that, to co-create that. We can do that, but it's never going to happen as long as these people are on this planet. Like all of these issues that, you know, we grow up when we're kids that just seem like so simple to us. Like, why is there world hunger? Why don't you just feed everyone? Why is there poverty? Why can't you just give everyone money? Like all of these like solutions that we come up as as kids. And then when we're adults, we're conditioned to think that oh, it's just not possible. It's not the way the world works. It's like, no, it's not, it's, it's impossible when we, when we're living in this fake system that, you know, has just been superimposed over the real reality and we're conditioned to believe that it is reality when it's not, it's illusionary. If we, we can easily solve world hunger, we can easily solve world poverty. We can easily solve how to clean the planet up. We have the technology, we've, we've had the technology for years but it's just not profitable. So it's just been suppressed. And the people that, you know, come out and make stuff individually that aren't involved with the military industrial complex, they'll just get killed. It happens time and time again. If you step back, if, if, if you're like a real visionary and you come out with some shit that can really save the planet, either you get bought out and if you don't get bought out, you pay with your life. So it's, it's one or the other and we're just reaching the point where I think, you know, we have to wake up to this and we have to start acting on an individual level to literally not put up with that shit, man. And you got to support the system that we want. you got to support the new world. We have to build it together. So we all need to start doing our bit better in ourselves, leveling ourselves up so that we act accordingly to these higher values. And then we and then their system will begin to crumble because it's only us that keeps it upright. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Genius words. And I, I noticed, Chris, I think I've been thinking about this a lot these days. There are multiple ways to start becoming a bigger part of this great awakening, right? Like there are multiple ways that we can get more connected with this great awakening and encourage others to do so. So for some people, it's to start doing research, to start looking into these these happenings that are called conspiracy theories, but really there's just stuff happening in society and that are being kind of covered up. So you can go that kind of really direct, logical, truth-seeking route through research and connecting with people like Chris and connecting with other people that are into these harder topics, like these more fa- like factual topics or research-based topics. You can also start, if that sounds intense or if that sounds like, oh, I don't really, I'm not ready for the whole conspiracy thing or whatever your relationship is to that route, if you want to try a different route, start with some introspection. Start with just healing yourself. And I fully believe, Chris, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your, your thoughts on this, but I fully believe that once you start taking some fucking quiet time to yourself, shut the technology off for a little bit, shut out a couple of people in your life that, that are constantly messaging you or constantly trying to communicate with you, just do that for a day. Just do that for a day. Have some quiet time to yourself with no distractions. Ask yourself, how am I distracting myself on a daily level? Cut that shit out. Just spend some quiet time to yourself, write whatever's on your mind or, or start talking out loud into your, in, into 
I don't know, record, record your voice or talk about what's on your mind to yourself. And I fully believe that a lot of answers will surface from doing something like that. You'll start to realize, oh, wait, like over time, right? You'll start to realize that maybe you don't want to be a part of the society that you were told to be a part of. And your answers will surface through introspection as well as research. So you can go on either of those tracks and get to the point where you are, you become more awakened. What do you think about that? Yeah, 100%. I think it's a combination of due diligence with just, you know, developing your own inner wisdom, your own intuition, as well as being, you know, you don't, you don't have to be a scholar, you don't have to be a PhD in this shit, you just need to learn some of the basics. And, you know, when you really get into history, and you really look at it for what it is, it's literally just one conspiracy followed by another, like literally, everything has led to this point has been a conspiracy. Like we've just been continuously just fucked over for the past few thousand years by the same people. You know, one generation fulfills one plan, which leads to another plan, which leads to another plan. And they just continue it all the way up to the present day, where it's just conspiracy, cover up, conspiracy, cover up, conspiracy, cover up. And, you know, we we, we got to be better than this. We got to be better than just to let history keep repeating itself because these people are going to do this for as long as they can. And you know, if if you if you allow them to do this, which we have done for so long, we get locked into their system. Like literally, the whole educational system it was put there for the whole point of keeping us, you know, just a, a low level of awareness. It teaches. It teaches like pseudo fake intellect. It teaches you how to regurgitate, to how to memorize and regurgitate what mm. they tell you is fact. It doesn't teach you valuable life skills in regards to learning and regards to cultivating, you know, knowledge, retention of it, being able to integrate it into your life. And it does, they, they don't teach you how to actually better yourself. They teach you how to better their pocket. So it's massively important to, you, you know, you, you've, got, you've got to start somewhere. It's like if the, you don't have to get into the conspiracies, but just start with bettering yourself. And then you take it step by step. You, you, you want to clean out the body. You want to make sure, you know, that you're feeding your body the right fuel, the right nutrients so that, you know, your cells can create healthy cells you know, you want to you want to be able to give nutrients to your brain so your brain starts to work properly. So you start to you know create the right neurotransmitters so they're all in uh, harmonic harmonious levels with each other, and then you can start to see the world for what it is. I think to be honest, like I'll be honest with you, I, mean, I think one of the apart from everyone being so unaware, I literally believe about ninety nine percent of this planet have mild brain damage. I really think that people's brains aren't working properly. And that's due to, you know, the, the food that we eat due brain to, bug. yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone's got brain damage and it shouldn't be like that. Like the brains aren't designed to be like that. Like, I just, I think that everyone's got brain damage from what we were saying, the food that they eat, the water we drink, you know, non-ionizing electromagnetic fields, the radiation, chemtrails. I think everyone's just being smashed with, all types of just, you know, physical and non-physical assault on your being to stop you from being a a capacity or a level of awareness where you can start to act against it. Because as soon as you start acting against it, you don't go back. You just start the ball rolling 
And then the healthier you get, the more aware you get, the more in alignment with your path you get, the more you just create this field of just attraction field where you start to manifest your life outside of the system. But it's just, you know, it's just made very hard to be able to do that. Cause there's no, there's no helping hands anywhere. Or there's no helping hands that are authentic helping hands. There's helping hands that are guised as helping hands, but they all, they, it's all kind of tied back to the main control scheme. Yeah. Yeah. And through all that, through all of the, the ways that we are led to believe that we are small and through all the ways that we are supposed to be kept small, we still have empowerment, right? We're not helpless against these things. So I found it really important for me to not feel like, fuck, there's radiation everywhere. I'm, I'm being screwed at every level and I cannot get out of this. And I'm just like, I'm powerless against this. That mindset didn't help me at all. It, it did help me initially to start cutting out some crap out of my life and just eating better and, and being mindful about the, the radiation that's around or the other environmental stressors we have around us. But to a certain point, I had to make a little bit of a switch to say, okay, but hold on, I'm still here for a reason. And I'm not powerless against this stuff. I just have to work towards understanding more about not just our society, but like the universe as a whole and my spiritual path. So yeah, yeah, it's good to keep everything in mind to, to have to have that that understanding of what's going on around us, but also knowing that we're still here for a reason to try to work against that and, and become higher versions of ourselves and all that. Right. Yeah. I mean, you've got to remember as well, Emily, is the, it's like the saying it's the darkest before the dawn. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how much in the shit that you're in, you know, the light is just around the corner. If you're willing to just see it and act on it and act in is, you know, it's, it just seems like such a hard feat nowadays for people to act on what they know intuitively they should do, but they just don't have the energy, they don't have the willpower, they don't have the spiritual life force energy to be able to follow through with it. So then you're like, well, how do I get this life force energy? How do I get energy? And then that's all starts with your decisions on how you treat yourself, how you treat yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And once you fix that, then, you know, you, you can, you can, you can start to build from a healthy base and you start to build, you know, from the correct foundation, the temple for your God self to sort of experience the world through. And once you do that, there's the, you're, you're, you're for, you're forever just going to be a different person. You're going to live a completely different life because, you know, the, the God self will, will experience the epicness of their creation. So once you're at that state, that's, you know, you're going to have that epic life because you, you can't, you can't be in that dialed into your God self and live a boring life. It's just the, the two come together. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Yeah. That's beautiful. Chris, well, I'm feeling energetically in my body. I get a feeling when I need to, I need to wrap an episode up because energetically I can't give you my 100% at a certain point. I have a very strong timeline with that. And fucking Antarctica, we really wanted to, we wanted to tie Antarctica in to the first episode. We wanted to tie it into this episode with the processional equinox. And it's not going to happen this time either, but maybe if we're lucky enough, you'll come back for a third episode and we can talk about that. Always, always, Emily, of course. <laughs> 
Okay, cool. And yeah, I wanted to leave a couple of minutes because since our first episode together, Primal Alchemy has had some new developments with the products that you're offering and you, you do fucking crystals now. So can we talk a little bit about that? Indeed, indeed. So yeah, um, when we last talked, we were doing the supplements, the, the biohacking tech, and a few other little products that we had. And then I was lining up for a while to release our our crystal line, which is called Divinity Stones. So what they are, are a collection of, so they're handpicked by me. I do monthly drops where I'll probably do like 12 or so a month of what's perceived within, you know, crystal healing research to be the highest vibrational crystals on the planet. So these are metaphysical stones, tectites, which are meteorite glass and other high vibrational crystals so you've got moldavite which is my favorite you've got azestulite you've got phenakite you've got damburite um, you've got other forms of tectites like agnimanatite there's there's a number of them it depends again this is this is like a this is like a, a proper wormhole emily you got to be careful with this <laughs> some of these crystals you can talk for hours about i don't without going into too much detail but to give people you know a little bit of so, like, something to bite on the most important in my personal perspective my personal opinion not the most important but the most interesting of the the stones within the crystalline kingdom is moldavite it's a very special crystal it's the highest vibrational crystal on the planet it's not really a crystal it's a tectite so what that means or what happened i'll give a brief detail detailing of it was that about 15.8 million years ago a meteorite hit the bohemian plateau or what you would call the czech republic today and when the meteorite hit it pushed up with through the collision a mass of the you know the the meteorite rock and then the land rock together up in the sky and the velocity of the actual impact itself, pushing it up to the sky, pushed it all up into the stratosphere, which when it reached that point, it vaporized. And as that material then vaporized, it then sort of showered back down to earth. And when it showered down, it condensed and solidified and atomically bonded. So you've got this interesting sort of alchemical product or alchemical creation of like the that embodies this, the uh, the terrestrial realm and the celestial realm together mm. and the emergence of that and it's just got this intense energy to it which if you hold it you might not be you know sensitive to crystalline energy you could pick up gemstones and feel nothing but you will you will feel the mold about you pick it up and you just feel like this intense heat of like this throb where it's like woof, woof and it just and it's just like a real radiant strong energy and you know this this stone has been linked to myths throughout time you've got the the holy grail myth the the arthurian legend of the holy grail with parsifal and going to get the holy grail and then within the actual original holy grail myth they they described the holy grail as a emerald gem from outer space an emerald stone a green stone from outer space. And it's very interesting because when you look at this Moldavite, I mean, it is essentially a stone from outer space 
and it's green, and it's the only green tektite. All of the other tektites, which are meteorite blast, are black. It's the only green one, and it seems to have a very endearing spiritual energy to it where it does what you know the whole point of the holy grail was which is about you know spiritual evolution and fulfilling your destiny and this stone is sometimes called the stone of destiny and that when you get it it tends to accelerate dramatically one's spiritual evolution and literally sort gives you like a spiritual cleanse that anything in your life that not is not in alignment with your higher self begins to you know dematerialize and begins to fade into 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 a forgotten past so you get like relationships that aren't you know suiting you or you know you're just not gonna there's nothing in it for you they will begin to break they will begin to dissolve you're gonna find new friendships new network opportunities new you know like career opportunities, life opportunities just come out of nowhere. Old people might come back into your life that have something very synchronistic to offer you. It's a very strange, I say strange in regards to like, you know, paranormally strange in it, in its operation. It's very rare. So there's only X amount in, in the world. It's not, you know, it's not in abundance like quartz or some of the other crystals. There's X amount of it. And over the past year, due to the coronavirus, due to all of the national lockdowns, they haven't mined any for the past year. So it means all the stuff that's out there at the moment that's circulating is now more expensive than it than it was before and it's only going to get more expensive so i'm not saying that they're not going to reopen up the mines because most of the mines are dry now and the the czech government have not given permission for any further excavations or digging or mining for it so essentially all that's left now is the stuff that's circulating through sellers resellers just people's collections that they already have so this is the time if you want to get hold of some of this i would definitely suggest you you check it out i've got about 10 pieces they're not very big well some of them are big but in, it's not like you've got like a, a massive like one kilo crystal like a big geode of it like you would get with some of the amethysts or some of the other crystals these are like literally five to ten i think the biggest one i've got is about 14 grams uh, little pieces and you, you can take these pieces, you can put them, you can keep them on you, you can make them into a necklace, you can get jewelry cut of it, but it is expensive. I'm, uh, I'm not going to beat around the bush with that. It is expensive. And also you got to be careful because there's a lot of fakes out there. So a lot of fakes that are being produced in India and China that are being made and like, you know, mass marketed to, because it's such a rare commodity. Now it's a rare item that, there's always money in it. And when there's money in stuff, you know, people, the wrong people are going to be drawn to it as well. So you need to be careful when you're selecting your source. I'm not saying that you have to buy it from me, but I would definitely suggest that each and every one of you at least take some time to look into model bike. Cause it is, in my opinion, the most important, the most beneficial stone crystal tectite on the planet. And if you've got a piece, I mean, I, I, I've sold a number of pieces since I've started selling them and I've already had amazing feedback from people. You can read testimonials on um, numerous websites of people that with it. Like people have it where they touch it for the first time and they literally go out of body and they have these mystical visionary experiences just through 
connection with the stone energy itself and you get this there's even a word for it they call it the the moldavite flush which is a term that you know it happens so many times that there is a term for it and it's just where people take it and then they feel their heart chakra just blossom and open and go into like a state of ecstasy is that going to happen to you? It might be a bit of a big sell. It might have been a bit of an oversell, but I'm just telling you that, that like those experiences aren't uncommon. Let's put it that way. Holy fuck. Yeah. Everybody get them from Chris because I'm about to buy them all. You sold the <laughs> shit out of that to me. Really yeah. Trust uh, the, the Moldavite is, you know, numero uno. That's, that's the, that's the Zeus as such of the, of the crystal, world in my opinion but you know i've got other ones that i'm not again i won't otherwise we end up going on for another hour but you've got some very powerful stones azestulite you've got phenakite which is a really great one for opening the third eye and crown chakra and you know it's one of the best stones for the light body in regards to just receiving light and pulling light into your light body super cool stone this is this is the cool thing so i don't know if you guys or even yourself, Emily, I don't know if you are. I don't know if you like Marvel films. I don't know if you're uh, familiar with Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet. I'm going to say it anyway, Emily. I see you shaking your head, but I'm going to say it. So the whole thing with the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe was all about Thanos collecting these Infinity Gems, which if you if you get them all, you put them into his little gauntlet that he had and he could control the universe. Essentially, he had power over the universe. Well, there is a... Well, there is. There's a real version to that, and it's called the what Robert Simmons calls the 12 Synergy Stones, which are the 12 highest vibrational stones on the planet. So Moldavite is one. You've got Azestulite, which is another, which I mentioned. You've got the Phenakite, which is another that I mentioned, and Damburite, which is another one that we sell, which is another. And supposedly, if you bring all of these 12 crystals together, then it essentially levels you up energetically they're all like this robert simmons is like the the og within the the crystal world in regards to crystal healing so you might want to look at reference his work further for what i'm what i'm saying but if you have all of these crystals together then it supposedly just puts you in a place energetically and spiritually where you it just levels you up onto a completely different level of consciousness and it just allows you to manifest your dream life way quicker than if you had any other crystals or any other, you know, energy tools in your, in your life. So I would definitely advise for people to go check out that. But yeah, I mean, I've got plenty of information on my website. You can check out the, the crystals individually. I prana charge them as well. So I touched base on this with you, Emily, last time regarding the, how I prana charge the products. So, you know, crystals, that again, they, they have a memory matrix to them. They can store information. They can store, you know, almost unlimited, infinite amounts of information. So when you're charging it with, with this prana charge process, you're essentially infusing the crystals with, you know, this, with these frequencies, with these, with these informational fields that then are obviously allowed for you to be shared. So that's kind of like the big selling point of the crystals, although I don't talk about that as much because I just, I like to just talk about the crystal itself, but obviously with that technology on top of that, you're obviously then taking shit to the next level because you're, you know, you're taking the power of the Moldavite and then you can charge it with specific frequencies so that, you know, you're getting that attached to the power of the Moldavite, which is 
some like, some pretty incredible shit when you get when you get into the nitty gritty of it. Yeah, I'll say. I'm seeing like <laughs> I'm like looking out the window because I'm seeing white orbs of light outside, which tells me that what you're saying is legit. That's usually yeah, what that means. White orbs on their motivite. Yeah. They know what's up. And those ascended masters. They all walked around with motivite. They all walked around with these. You know, all across all the corners of the globe. Like not everyone had motivite, but generally a lot of people that are like spiritually inclined will be drawn towards tektites which are the meteorite glasses so you've got that agni manatite which was really the which they called the jewel of krishna which was essentially you know the indus valley or around the east they had this black this black well agni manatite which looks like a black stone you got that you've got the europeans that had the moldavite you got australia there's something called darwinite over in the americas there's a few different tektites from there as well yeah there's you know spiritual people like spiritual energy tools and the in regards to natural tools those tectites are what people need to look into cool oh everyone's going to be super fired up about this thanks for telling us about it chris and yeah thank you for just being here with me for an extra long episode and and explaining all of this beautiful information and telling us more about everything and i'm so excited to share this with everyone i really really appreciate you coming on thank you chris sweet no problem really much appreciated and very much enjoyed it as well i appreciate you inviting me back on i hope you loved the first ever sequel episode of root awakening a health podcast with chris story owner and director of primal alchemy i have all of chris's contact information linked in the show notes so go check out chris he's sharing some really important information he's selling some amazing next level crystals that i've never heard about these are so cool i just bought one i'm going to buy more so buy them now before i get all of them because they're amazing go check his stuff out i have everything linked in the show notes for you And if you did love this episode, subscribe to this podcast, leave a rating and review, share this podcast with your community. And if you'd like to book an intuitive body reading session with me, DM me on Instagram at emilys.rootawakening or hit the link in my bio on Instagram to book a reading with me. I am Emily Kosick, intuitive health coach and CEO of Root Awakening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I am so grateful to you for supporting natural health for spreading the word about this higher level living that we can live and all of this empowerment that we actually have within us. Thank you for lifting this information up. I will see you on the next episode.